Welcome to Stand at the Table. We are friends in community, part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best relationships come when we are willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In today's episode of Staying at the Table, we discuss this past year and where we've seen our Staying at the Table values lived out. Then we think about how these values not only have shaped us this past year, but have guided us over the past few years. And we end with a challenge for each of you to look for the values that can guide you in 2023. Hello, everyone. We're back. I'm here with the Reverends James Beatty and Tracy Sletta. I'm Matt Kistler, and we are excited to be around the table once again together. It is coming upon a new year. A new year is probably even upon many of you listening. And we wanted to think and reflect about some of the values that we have at staying at the table and where we've seen it at work. Where are these things being lived out? And as a reminder, some of our values here are we offer grace abundantly. We receive and offer God's grace abundantly. Yeah, see, I just I just kind of wanted to set you up. Um, we value learning and discovery. We value all people equally. We multiply leaders. And I feel like there's another one. We stay at the table. <laughs> See, it's just like, say, I bought my son a tea because he's really getting into baseball. And, uh, you know, I just got to set the ball right set on the, the tea. tee. Set the tee up. We got a little net. He just nails it right into the <laughs> net every time. So as we think about these values, where... In this last year, do you feel like you've seen one of these or multiple of these exemplified, done well in your personal life, in society, in our church? I'm going to kick it over to James because I see that face, Tracy. <laughs> well, it's, it's always interesting that um, so throughout the year, as we continue to try to explain these values and you get in these discussions about what is traditional church or to traditional ways of trying to relate to God and saying, based on those traditional ways, it has certain weaknesses. And it becomes, our, our values, that is, becomes a way of having a balanced discussion about how do we engage our theology today, right? Mm -hmm. So if we say about offering grace, as an example, all right, we have disagreements. And am I offering grace and understanding that you love God too, that you want an individual connection with God as well, and that if I fundamentally disagree and think you're actually about to drive yourself off a cliff, even if I believe that, do I trust God enough that God will have conversations with you and give you grace. And the scripture says God will. So then why won't I? Because there's a certain amount of time that we have to then show the same amount of character and grace that God will give. We are, 
you're a believing Christian, there's a certain way we carry ourselves to show grace that others can then see tangibly right in front of them. And so I've seen that uh, occur throughout the year as, as we engage people who don't believe the same as us mm-hmm. and have a way of approaching the Bible that is extremely structured and, and extremely set full of rules that uh, create this boundary of in and out and the ability to then, because you've done some things that they believe that puts you out to attack you instead of in those moments, isn't that the time to show grace of how Jesus would have addressed anyone at any time? Mm -hmm. So that's an example I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can think of some of our conversations. We've had a, whole series of financial conversations within within our church. And I can think of a number of times where we need to grace for each other when things get heated, when, you know, sensitive topics are being discussed. Um, I can think of two, three, four meetings right off the top of my head where, you know, heartbeats start racing. And what really helps us hold together and move forward is that underlying foundation of knowing we're going to offer grace to each other and that we can walk away not just saying I'm done with you or kind of, you know, running into our corner with a little hissy fit, but we, we have, we have a, a foundation of grace that we can move from. I agree with that. I have watched the elder team um, really cover one another over and cover difficult conversations over and move in fearless love and and fearless caring that you know I've been a part of and this elder the elder teams of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship for 25 years and to watch this team specifically really implement Grace, receiving and offering God's grace in abundance, even embracing learning and discovering, allowing what you were saying, James, allowing people to grow, allowing God to be God in their lives. That's part of embracing learning and discoveries is embracing it in others as well. Mm -hmm. You know, valuing and respecting all people equally. I've really never been a part of a team that has been this determined to move in this way. I think with me personally this year, what has really um, come home, you know, I'm the type of person or have been, you know, in the past, just the kind of person that wants to find someone to blame, wants to find, you know, we've had a lot of challenges Mm -hmm. this year at Cornerstone um, financially, along with just people dealing with so many different things and Oftentimes when people are dealing with things in their life, they, they kind of lash out. So, and the pastor, you know, oftentimes will get that. Yeah. And, you know, in the past I have kind of either breathed it in and taken it in and taken it personal, or even in regards to the challenges within our church, you know, you find a scapegoat to kind of help you process it and move through it. And for me, my mantra is you know, that I've taken on is that there's no one to blame. It just is what it is. Hmm. And there's no one who's an enemy. 
And even if the person feels like they're an enemy, they're really not an enemy. They're coming from a different place, maybe of pain, maybe of confusion, fear, anxiety, whatever that might be. So there's been, a, uh, I think, a, for me personally, a tremendous growth in resting in the conflict or wrestling, um, um, resting in the difficulty and learning to go, there's no one at fault. It, it just is what it is, and God has a path through. So, you know, trying to hang on to loving fearlessly and our core values have— they don't work unless they work when you're within the conflict or the tension. Yeah. That's when you have to implement. And there's been a real journey of that this year. Yeah. When you're thinking about not blaming, I think about in my work scenario where a lot of what I do is framed, at least in theory, around learning, looking at innovative work, people trying new things. And my role is often coming to to look, to see how is it doing to document progress. And it's been interesting when people, their first reflex is often fear, you know, because the, they imagine this blame cycle coming. You know, if these things don't work the way we hoped they would work, then assume there's an assumption that blame will follow. And someone's going to be at fault. Someone's going to be at fault and... That puts my job at risk. That puts the money for this project at risk. You know, we're, we're going to lose as compared to really being able to grab on to the possibility um, and, and this idea of learning as, as part of life, as an iterative process that we go through over and over again. And, and that the only failure is to just not learn from what happened before. That's really hard for a lot of people I've seen. And so when I see people who are ready, there was one person in particular, I kind of was like selling my services to a variety of people. (laughs) And and you get a lot of like nods and you don't hear back. But, you know, there was one person who was like, I got five projects. (laughs) You know, like he was just ready to to roll. And you can see the beauty of when when you have a a, a heart that's ready to learn, it's like... So so much good soil for for things to grow. So I have a question for Matt and James. So we are within this context. We're talking from the context of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. But both of you have outside jobs mm-hmm. and endeavors. What do these core values look like in your lives in the secular uh, workplace? And maybe in keeping with what you're saying, Matt, is where have you seen growth or change within you personally in the way that you would usually deal in the business realm? Well, I think it's a challenge for me to put the two together because over the last three to five years, I've really kind of emotionally disconnected from corporate life that creates this dynamic that's different and new. Different in the sense that I'm going to tell you what I really believe respectfully because I don't care what you do, (laughs) (laughs) right? I don't, you could tell me, you know, we're letting you go at the end of the week and I'd go, oh, okay. And I would walk away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know what my, the value of my skills 
I've gone through some things in life. And so I know what I could do next almost immediately. And so that's that emotional disconnect. But then how does that, um, what does that change in my ability to apply these values every day? It is I don't succumb to the pressures Mm. that many people Mm. will succumb to. And it will undermine these principles. Uh, yeah. Right? So if you talk about uh, allowing grace within a corporate setting, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you allow or offer grace to the wrong group, whoever's the out group at that time, and you speak up on behalf of them, you could get quarantined into that out group. It's a danger. But once you take on, I'm emotionally disconnected, do what you want, now you're back empowered and you can live by your principles. And that's a different place for a lot of people as they develop their careers. If you do not emotionally disconnect, things such as principles that are not already in alignment with your organization, it's dangerous. It will cost you. Wealth will be taken from you. Your skills will be undermined. You will be questioned. Everything about you will be called into, will be attacked. And so I can, I'm putting, I'm trying to translate your question into the 30 year old version of me when I cared. (laughs) Right? And I didn't have certain experiences mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't fall, on the, fall back on the fact of I can recover. When you're 30 years old, you don't know how to recover, really. Yeah. So you're talking about emotional investment that is not there. You don't put the emotional and identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your identity is resting in your own core values, your own values. It's not resting in what other people think of you or the politics of your company. That has to come first. Otherwise, you put these principles that we're talking about that values people above all into an environment where you're emotionally connected, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I can can totally see that. And it's like as you're kind of plotting out that timeline, that map, I can see myself 10 to 15 years behind you. Right. Like, like I I can look back and see my 30 year old self and say, oh yeah. But I can also see I'm not, I still can remember so many days where you're feeling good because you've been affirmed because people appreciate what you do. And, And I mean, that's good. But then on the flip side, you know, where you feel ignored or someone tears down something you've done and you just feel like, what am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and even to your point of like, if your security and your position is called into question, you know, do you have? I mean, first of all, kind of the the financial, the skill set, freedom to find something else and feel confident in that, and or have your confidence in God to support you through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, I mean, you're totally right. Like. It's experience that can help you go through that. If you, if you have the the stone, the, you know, the pile of stones in your history that you look back yeah. and say over and over again, I've seen God bring me through this. I have a couple piles, 
but you know, it still can shake me sometimes. And I think to me that what, you know, we're referring to as emotional disconnect, that's almost a form of valuing all people equally, mm-hmm. including valuing yourself. You're not right. putting, like you said, identity, not putting your identity in that workplace. And that frees you to, to let go of the fear of the anger and, you know, and the games and just say, I'm just going to live my life. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder if that's at some, in some ways, just if that's a, an ideal, is that a privilege? You know, you know, for some people, is it even realistic? You know, is there really another job out there? Is that a realistic way to live? It makes me think of in the coaching world, there's something called detached involvement. Mm-hmm. So you're involved, you care, you're compassionate, you you are involved in the circumstances situation, but you're detached from the outcome. So I don't know if it's as much, I don't care if I get fired as much as it's, I know my identity is not in here, in this space. And I can move as a compassionate human being, but I don't have to be attached. And that's what I heard you saying when you were talking about it being emotionally detached, Mm -hmm. is your emotional stability is not built on whether or not anybody in in your organization looks at you and says, I mean, it's always great to be praised and for people to go, you did a great job. We all need that. But it's not, your identity is not attached to that. Yeah, and I think, so I'm thinking about this a little bit more and saying, okay, what do these principles, stay at the table um, principles, do for you as you're in corporate or as you have different aspects of your career and your life? I think it allows you to to use these third-party things to have a discussion with a person of why I can't follow this organization's mm-hmm. edict. And have it in an intelligible way of it. It's not I am not towing the company line or doing what my boss said and say, hey, I have a fundamental disconnect, a fundamental problem with how this impacts people or how this, uh, the repercussions of what we're trying to do because of these principles that I live by Mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. Mm That, that I can name clearly. That I can name clearly that has constructed this person that you see in front of you. The results you see out of me is constructed out of something I believe in. Right. And those results become in jeopardy if you start undermining my principles. Right. Right. The thing you like about me starts to get eroded if you ask me to do exactly what you're asking and I'm telling you, that's in conflict with my core principles. What's interesting about this conversation is how many people enter the workforce saying, I have core principles, and can, and can clearly, as you said, Matt, articulate them, right? How many people enter into life, mm-hmm. family, I don't, I don't care where you are, and there's not this foundation. Like when yep. I'm looking at Cornerstone as an organization, especially the leadership, we are all operating on the same wavelength. So, and we have given permission to one another, you know, to to question, you know, what does it mean to love fearlessly in this situation? What does it mean to receive and offer God's grace? Like these aren't just things we have written on the wall. And I wonder how many people actually can enter 
into the very areas, various areas of their lives going, these are my core values that I'm going to live my life by. And I think even we as Christians have gone, well, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, right? Yeah. Well, what does that even mean? Right. Right. So there, there's something interesting well, about this conversation. Well, but isn't that, you said how many people have them? And I would say a, an extremely small number. Right. And, and it's not that people are negligent. I would put it in the context of remember how long we debated and discussed these as a team. Oh. How many people have a group around them that they can sit and go for months thinking about mulling over, interpreting the core value of what does it mean to value and respect all people equally? Think how many hours we talked about that. And then preached on it. Right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, um, developing leaders. What, we talked about it for a long time. So it's almost saying to all of us, if you don't have someone around you where you can talk about the things that under, beyond the words that mean, what does those words mean to you? You are at a disadvantage. You can be pu- pulled into different things yeah. unintentionally right. yeah. every day yeah, because you don't have a clear understanding of what all of these things mean, yeah. right? Certain simple words like love, well, what does that mean to you? What does honor mean to you? Yeah. What does respect mean to you? And we just take the Webster's Dictionary version of these things instead of, no, in my life, that value means this. This, yeah. Yeah, I, I really can connect with that. I think about my experience leaving college. And one of the challenges is, you know, in some fortunate situations, you, you, you can have that group, you can have that context. But in university specifically, there's this end and then you're done. And unless you're very intentional, you lose it all, right? You, you don't have the classes that bring you together. You don't have the same rhythms. And I remember my, uh, the, the advisor of our Christian fellowship gave us a book called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. And essentially a sense of how do you intentionally go and live your life now that you're free to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And the big thing that stuck me at that time was, do you decide where you live based on where you can get a job? That was the question that was most kind of pertinent to me because I could live anywhere. I I could, I was now a free agent, right? Mm -hmm. I, I could go anywhere, try to get a job, in San Francisco, Tacoma, Dallas, or Augusta, Maine, right? Mm-hmm. But was there an intentionality? Was there a discernment? Why am I living someplace? Why am I putting my life on this trajectory? And to your point, what, what are the values that are going to undergird that decision-making? And to me, it reminded me a, a lot about the verse where it talks about do not be conformed to the patterns of the world. There's a almost a machine mm-hmm. that it's like the lazy river that just takes you right down. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, after you graduate, 
you, you get your internship or you, you know, you you get into this kind of job based on what you've done. You listen to your advisors and there's a very clear pattern. Um, and I think you can intentionally enter into pieces of that. But what often happens is without those underlying values to guide you, you just roll down the lazy river and, and, and you end up someplace and you're like, why am I here? Yep. Why am I... I, I was talking to someone, you know, they're working 60, 80 hours a, a week and, and they're just burned out and they're thinking, I don't know why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, what, what do I even do? How do I, how do I move forward? How do I, yeah. So I think. Because I think you, you're, you're pointing out a very interesting point, especially for young people. You live, you end up living in a city because of the job. Right. And the city that you're in may be totally counter to the culture that is for you. But you're going to where the job is instead of, no, in the United States, there are many different cultural environments. One of them really resonates with me. I'm going to go there and trust that I'll find the job that's for me to support me being me. Mm -hmm. Instead, we take the career and then allow the career to shape what we will become. And I don't think any of us intended that. Mm -hmm. I know what I didn't. I didn't. So my career started out in Memphis. So in Memphis is a certain culture. A lot of good food, <laughs> a lot of good music. Uh, but it, it, it's a different pace. And that pace wasn't for me. But I went because the job told me to go there. And then I went to a city. I, I said I would never. I literally said those words. I will never move to Minneapolis. <laughs> And there I was for 14 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? That was not on the scale. That was not on the path. But something took the place of who I thought I was and what resonated with me culturally, spiritually, socially, and turned me. Mm-hmm. And... 14 years. Yeah. I remember when I moved, when we moved in, I told my neighbor, Hey, we're here for 24 months. He laughed. He said, I got here for a six month assignment 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. These are the things that happen in our life. So without core values and without a clear vision and being able to articulate, this is what's driving me. The lazy river yeah. seems so innocent. Mm-hmm. And takes you totally off course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've really appreciated this discussion. And as you are thinking about the new year, this can be a challenge to each of you. What does it mean to define your core values in this next season? How can you, even in small ways, help shape your life in the direction you want to be going instead of on the path of least resistance? Mm. I think that's a big challenge, and and I I don't think anyone's doing it perfectly. But we hope that what we're sharing, these values that we hold so closely and we value so much, can help guide you on that path and and help you find that foundation for yourself. So I think that's going to be it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a great day. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment? 
or a topic you want discussed, email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Thank you.